Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco to the show. And Kevin, uh, man, a tough weekend, a tough week, I guess I should say, for all three teams throughout the Minnesota Wild system. Well, you know, um, I was, you know, I'd say Minnesota was still on track, but yeah, it was a tough, tough time down in the heartland, and I believe um, what did we have a, a split, split in Rockford. So you know, I wouldn't say it was, wouldn't say it was too bad. Yeah, it could have been a lot, a lot worse. But uh, I, you know, starting up in Minnesota here, Kevin. Um, Man, four, sir, as Kevin and I are talking here on Tuesday night, the team has pulled away a 4-3 overtime victory over Boston on the road in Boston, which is never an easy place to win. Um, but four one-goal games uh, during the week for the club, starting with a 3-2 victory over Calgary in a shootout, a 2-1 victory over Vancouver in a shootout, then dropping Monday night's contest in Pittsburgh 4-3 before winning tonight 4-3 in overtime. So I, I was being a little overzealous, I guess, in my criticism. <laughs> Three three one and all week is pretty good there for you them. You just want to have a time. strong. You just want to have an, an ear catching beginning yeah. to the show. So maybe that's, you, you know. maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. I'm going for the uh, the the uh, the the introductory statement of craziness or something there. But uh, um, you know, I I like to see these one goal victories, Kevin, because they make me feel like that's playoff hockey, and if you can win games like that. Um, at this time of year, you're really setting yourself up for those stretch runs and for a, a deep playoff run by by knowing what it takes to win close games. So, to me, that's always kind of a good sign for a team. So now, as you're going positive, I'm going to go a little negative here, and <laughs> the negative I would draw from that is that although Vancouver may very well finish in the top three in the Pacific Division. I don't like giving that point away to Vancouver. I wish they could could get that could have got that done in regulation. And likewise, you know, Calgary is going to be another team that they're more likely going to be in the mix for a wild card spot. So you you hate giving away that one point by being tied after regulation. You like to see the wins be in regulation. Tonight it doesn't matter. Obviously, Boston's. Uh, Eastern Conference team, so you know that that doesn't matter as much. But it would be nice to see, and you know, one of the tiebreakers for either like a divisional spot or a wild card spot too is regulation wins. So you like to see the Wild find a way to take care of business within the first sixty minutes and not have to count on the shootout or overtime. Well, what started home last Thursday, Kevin, a 3-2 to two shootout victory over Calgary. Uh, Matt Boldy with his third goal in his many games, really seeming to work very well with the new coaching staff. He gets on the board 442 into the first to give Minnesota the lead. Calgary responds with two goals uh, to take the lead, but Marco Rossi comes up with his 10th goal of the season, 458 in the third, just after Coleman had scored to give Calgary the lead. Uh, and then we go. We no, no goals in the extra session, sending this game to a shootout where Minnesota wins. I believe it was in the fourth round with Boldy coming up with the the game winner for the club, and a nice three three two victory over Calgary. Especially after I thought the responding by Rossi after Coleman had scored is one of those things you really like to take a momentum away from teams. And and you know he he really has has been 
ex- uh, exceptional for this club, and I finally living up to expectations. I feel like. You know, going back to the first period of the goal by Boldy, just a great individual effort to get the puck in out of a battle along the boards and then skate in and rook the first goal of the game. And the Coleman goal could have really been a backbreaker because that was a shorthanded goal where Minnesota just badly mishandled the puck in their own end. And it was, well, it was a fluke goal, and Coleman banked it off of Brock Faber's leg and into the net. But the puck shouldn't have been down there to start with. But like you said, it was a good response right away at the tail end of the power play. It may even been at even strength, but it was at the tail end where the you had your second power play unit out, and Marco Rossi gets a rebound of a shot, and Barry set to tie the game. Yeah, then it got into the skills competition. I and you know Philip Gustafson was just incredible all night on Thursday. So it was uh, it's good to see what Minnesota was referring to as the Gus Bus back on the road again. Gustafson with 35 saves in the game. Kevin, as you mentioned, just a phenomenal performance for him out there. And it looks like. He has completely flipped the script after, you know, struggling a little bit early on this season. I understand the defensive group was not playing particularly well in front of him, but it was quite a, a, a tough start to the season for him. But, boy, he really has looked like the guy we saw last year. We agree with that. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. On, uh, on Saturday. Well, you know, it, it, it shows with John Hines, too. Hines is, uh, without saying that, he's given Gustafson the number one goaltending duties where, you know, this four-game stretch, uh, Mark andre Fleury didn't get a game until Tuesday night. Is are, is this kind of the, the, the team's kind of way of saying, hey, thanks for the memories to Mark andre Fleury, or is this kind of his swan song and going, okay, I just want to get some games into my final year, but this is it for me. Well, he's Fleury's staying very noncommittal about this year being his last year. So I think it was Fleury not wanting the pressure of being a number one goalie, but still being around where if Gustafson struggled, you have a guy in the wings that could take over and go back to being a number one guy again. So it's a pretty nice luxury to have. On Saturday night, a big 2-1 to victory over Vancouver. Gustafson incredible in this game with 35 saves. It is Goudreau uh, scoring his second goal of the year, 18:05 into the first period. Uh, Vancouver able to tie the contest, 3:15 into the second. Nobody's able to get any more goals in the regulation after that, sending this game through uh, the extra session and into the shootout where Minnesota scores the only goal of that, Zuccarello with the uh, goal in the first opportunity in round one to wind up giving Minnesota the 2-1 to victory. Again, Gustafson with a fantastic performance, 35 saves for the second straight night for him. And I know you don't like the point given away, Kevin, but, you know, Vancouver's a very good club, and... Um, you know, coming away with a victory there, clearly something you got to be hanging your hat on, I would think. Yes, and, you know, it was Gus's in that helped them get the two points because, and I don't know what it is with Minnesota. They just, 
they're still taking way too many penalties. The penalty kill has been much better, but they got to find a way to stay out of the penalty box because, I mean, Vancouver had a lot of chances on the power play on Saturday, but the PK was good enough to keep the score down at that one. On Monday night, the team travels out to Pittsburgh, quickly falls behind 3 nothing into this game. Uh, Pittsburgh scores the only goal in the first period, then scores two, three th- within the first little, about three and a half minutes into the second. And it looks like Minnesota is going to get blown out, but they battle back with two late goals in the second period. Uh, Letary scores 5.33 into the third to tie the game before Sidney Crosby delivers the game winner about 50 seconds later. So, Kevin, let me give you, are you excited to see a team that falls behind 3 nothing and goes, hey, uh, we're not giving up in this game, and they battle back to get themselves back into it? Or are you looking at this as, man, you battle back, and then you still wind up losing? Well, I'm looking at it like you shouldn't have. What did you do to get yourself in that 3 nothing hole? And there was, uh, you know, the three goals, there was nothing Gustafson could have done on any of them. But it was the same script on Monday night. Minnesota just took too many penalties in against a team where teams with um, Sidney Crosby and Genny Malkin, you just can't you can't play that kind of game and expect to come out with a win. You know, you look at the tie and go by Letary, and then seconds later, Kirill Kaprizov takes a high-sticking penalty. Sid Crosby on a little scramble in front of the net um, scores a game-winning goal. So, you know, the the penalties just, you know, sometimes you got to take a penalty. Let's say a guy's breaking down, they're going to have an open net. Well, sometimes you got to take that penalty, but it just seems like it's these penalties like high-sticking and holding that just a lot of them could be avoided. Gustafson with 26 saves in the contest um, continues to impress for the team. That leads to today, as Kevin and I um, are recording the show, just following a 4-3 to overtime victory in Boston. This is a contest where the Bruins take a 2-1 to lead in the first period. After Johansson scores his second goal of the season on the power play, Boston comes back with two goals from Pasternak, uh, David Pasternak, to take the lead. Um, the last one comes one second before the end of the first period. Kind of a backbreaker for there. But it isn't for Minnesota on this night as they come back with two third-period goals uh, to tie the score, or actually take the lead, excuse me, before Marchand scores with 66 seconds left in the contest to force overtime. But Kaprizov with his second goal of the game, 10th of the year with the game winner, Minnesota uh, comes away with a victory. And that would be the one I would be kind of looking at and going, man, two late goals and periods right there. Boy, you could have really got crushed by that, but they did come away with a win. Oh, a lot to uncover with this one. You know, the, you know, Pasternak, I mean, you're just not going to stop the guy and He just seems to eat Minnesota alive every time he faces them. Minnesota, you know, in this game, you didn't have – Obviously, Brodeen is out long-term. Jared Spurgeon is back in the Twin Cities. Not sure on a timetable for him to come back. Um, Matt Zuccarello didn't play a Monday or Tuesday, so you're down one of your better playmaking and scoring forwards this year. So, you know, Minnesota was playing a 
playing with the skeleton crew and managed to hang in there with Boston. And my Marc-Andre Fleury was just fabulous in the second and third periods. It was, but a late penalty, Alex Galagoski, I believe was the highest sticking penalty late in the third period. Gave Boston a power play. They pulled the goalie, made it a six on four. Huge scramble in front of the Minnesota net, and that dang pest Brad Marchand um, tied the game at three. Yeah, it's, it seems like right now it's, it's not just taking penalties, as you're mentioning. It's just bad timing of them, too. It's like, yeah. you know, uh, and, and I know this is easy to say, but but a guy who played hockey and I, and I haven't played the professional level. I'm not going to act like I have. But um, but I mean you're taught. I've only from played like, video game level, so I can't talk. You're taught from a very young age. You got to be careful with your stick, you know. And it's not just about injuring another player or whatever. But you know, if you're getting your stick up high, you know you're going to get a penalty. I mean, it's just like a given, and. It, it, it's just it seems like a careless thing in some of these opportunities. I get sometimes you know you're trying to hook around a player and your stick up, so the guy winds up moving his arm up a little bit, and before you know it, you're in somebody's face. In instances like that, I kind of get, but I mean you, you just got to be more careful. And it looks like this team and its aggressive nature of trying to create plays for themselves is just being a little lackadaisical about how they're handling themselves, and they're creating opportunities for teams to get power plays and then taking advantage of that and. You know, that, that's the kind of thing that dooms a team come playoff time. Ain't no doubt. And if you can find a way to curtail the penalties, I mean, five on five, they've been playing excellent. So, so at least if you're going to have a problem, it's good to have a problem that's easily fixable. True. Very true. As Kevin mentioned, Mark andre Fleury with 40 saves in the game. Outstanding performance by him. Where, where that leaves Minnesota right now, Kevin, is in seventh place in the Central Division this week. 28 points right now. I maybe I got to refresh this because I think I did this before tonight's game is over. So let me uh, let me refresh that. Yeah, I will now. So instead of being 12, 13, and four, they're now 13, 30, 13, and four. 30 points, one point behind St. Louis for sixth place. Right now, in terms of like the top three in this division, they are nine points behind Winnipeg. Um, who has played also 30 games right now. So um, this week, Kevin, we have, after, after beating Boston today, return home now for Montreal on Thursday and then a rematch against the Bruins on Saturday. So neither um, of these games look like they're going to be easy ones even at home. No, you know, they've had a lot of luck against Montreal in the last five, six years. So you hope they can put out a strong game and – and then, you know, boy, it's going to – Boston's going to remember tonight coming into that game on Saturday night. So, you know, that will also be a test for Minnesota. So, yeah, a couple strong tests before you go into a Christmas break. An interesting note from tonight's game against Boston, Kevin, 28 minutes of penalties for Minnesota, just 14 for Boston. Minnesota capitalizes on their one power play opportunity while Boston – capitalizes on one out of three. A big number that I was looking at here in this contest, Boston won 62% of the faceoffs to 37 for Minnesota. I expect that number to be a little different when you're the team that gets to, you know, lays down your six, six second um, for draws at home. 
so you get kind of a little bit better positioning for yourself out there. But 28 penalty minutes versus 14, and you know Boston winning nearly two thirds of the faceoff. Those are numbers you got to correct when you get home. Well, that gets um, a little exaggerated because um, Pat Maroon drew a 10 minute misconduct, so chop that down by 10 minutes. That isn't actually power play time. Still don't want to give Boston that much opportunity. Oh, no, I mean, no. Again, I want three three power plays isn't a lot in this game. So a lot of probably coincidental minors that you're having in this contest here. But um, Boston's a deadly team, and you don't want to be giving them as, a, any more chances than you absolutely have to. So uh, so big week ahead, Kevin, with a team with two home games here. For As where I believe we're that takes us into the Christmas break, I believe. Yeah, it does, because then they face on Detroit after Christmas. So. Um, a nice time for this team to get healthy. You and I were talking about before the show that teams battling some injuries. Some tonight look like uh, had a, an injury in tonight's contest too. So this break might be coming just at the right time for this club. It'll be interesting to see what you know they have until midnight on Tuesday night. I, as in like tonight to call somebody up before there's a roster freeze for the holidays. So I wouldn't be surprised by the time this podcast comes out that Minnesota will have called somebody up from from Iowa just so they, just in case someone else is banged up, they can have somebody up here to slot in. Well, let's drop down to Iowa. As Kevin and I were talking on last week's show, um, Iowa trailed the Chicago Wolves three to two in that contest, but battled back to win in a shootout four to three. Then split split a weekend series with Rockford, um, losing or excuse me, winning two to one in Rockford on Friday before the Ice Hogs rally uh, to a six two victory on Saturday, scoring four goals in the third period in that contest, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. Um, so a two one and O week for the club. Um, if they're looking to catch up in this division and division games, Kevin, those are clearly the ones you, that you got to put the greatest amount of emphasis on, especially in leagues like the AHL. And they get two of the three, so got to feel pretty good about that. Yeah, you know they didn't feel like they put a really good game out there against the Chicago Wolves either. The Wolves in their first year as a so-called independent team have struggled to get things going, so. You'd hope that could be a team you could take care of in regulation and not give them a point. But, you know, that's what happened, and it's still good that they were able to come through with a victory. On the, in the Tuesday night game, Vinny Letary scores his third goal of the season, 333 into the contest. Chicago able to take the lead, scoring 10-7, at 10-17 uh, in the first and then adding a, the only goal in the second period. Sammy Walker, who's getting coming alive here is over the last couple of weeks, gets his third goal of the season to tie the contest. Chicago scores 40 seconds later to retake the lead, but Letary delivers his second goal of the game and fourth of the season, a power play goal with a little under two minutes left in the contest. It's not this game. Nobody scores in the overtime, sending it to the shootout, where Letary delivers once again, coming up with the only goal of the shootout to give Iowa the 3-2 to two victory. Kevin Jesper Wallstead in that game with 25 saves on 28 shots, looked very solid for the team. 
Uh, Adam Shield winds up taking the loss. He saved 21 of 24 shots in there. So uh, Jake Lucchini with two save, or two assists, I'm sorry, and Letary with two goals. Nice victory. I, I, again, you mentioned Chicago, a team that has really struggled, so you don't want to give away that point. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, for me, what I'm just kind of watching is guys that are start, starting to to develop offensively for the team, um, putting up some bigger numbers with Letary with two goals and Sammy Walker coming up with his third goal. So good news, I think, from the offensive scoring punch of this team right now. Yeah, you know, it was good enough to warrant a call-up to Minnesota for the Terry, so good news there. Absolutely. On Friday, a 2-1 to victory in Rockford. It's the Jesper Volstead show in this particular game, Kevin, as he stops 27 of 28 shots. Uh, two first-period goals by Iowa gives them the lead. It's Caden Bankier, I believe is the way that is said, scoring on the power play. His first professional goal, 10:45 into the contest. Sammy Walker adds a power play goal just before the uh, end of the first period, his fourth goal of the season to make it 2-0. Um, Rockford does get a goal in the second period on the power play. The shorthanded situation continues to struggle for the Iowa Wild, Kevin, but they still come away with a 2-1 victory. And good to see Cajun Bankier get his first professional goal. I know a, a lot of fans that follow the Minnesota Wild prospect pool have been very anxious to see what Bankier can do at the professional level. So in his second game, it was good to see him score. You know, talking about, you know, guys taking over the number one goalie duties, you know, early on in the season, it looked like the coaching staff was kind of alternating between Volstead and McIntyre, but that, that ship is stale. I mean, this is just for Volstead team, it looks like right now. Yeah, you know, it's a matter of going with the hot hand and going with the guy that, you want to get him ready. You want to get him ready with a bigger workload because it's obvious, unless something weird would happen, that Volstead is going to be with Minnesota next year. And who knows what that will entail as far as how they'll handle the workload with Gustafson and Volstead. So you want to get... You want to get Jesper ready to play at the next level. I just feel fat bad for McIntyre because he doesn't get to play much, and it's usually on like a back end of a back-to-back. So the poor guy, I mean, he struggled to start the year, but he's had some good games, but he still doesn't have a win this year. You know, coming back to prepping Volstead for the next level, um, you know, Cabo Kekkonen had some unbelievable seasons in, in Des Moines. Uh, and that 2019-20 season, and even in the 2020-21, um, he was really very, very good. I mean, it, it might have been the best goaltender in the AHL for, for a little bit there. But you were pointing out to me about how he never, like when he got to February, it seemed that the, the momentum kind of died down for him. It just it was too much work. Or I, I don't know exactly what was kind of the, the, the deal with him. And I think we're even seeing that at the NHL level. Do you think that's influencing this club in any way, how they're dealing with Austin, saying to themselves, you know, man, we got we to gotta see that this guy can handle a massive workload so that we know he can deliver in March and April? Well, I think, I'm not sure what round draft pick Kakinen was in. But the difference being Volstead 
I mean, they invested a first-round pick in him, so they're going to make sure they're doing everything they can to make sure he's going to be a good NHLer. I think Kakinen is going to be one of those guys that he'll be a decent goalie, but I don't think he's meant to be a number one guy. I think he's meant to be a, a backup, and that seems to be what's happening in San Jose right now, that he is backing up Mackenzie Blackwood. So, you know, that's just... Just two different guys we're talking about here, Falstead and Kakinen. Heading on to Saturday night, a scoreless first period is broken up as Chicago, Chicago. Rockford scores two goals in the start of the second period within the first five minutes of it to take the lead. Minnesota, Iowa responds. Man, I'm stuck with Chicago and Minnesota. Iowa responds with two goals late in the second. Nick Patan scores his fourth goal of the season at 15.07. Bankier is with his second goal in as many nights to tie the game with a little under a minute left in the second, but it is all Rockford in the second period, or third period, Kevin. And I'm confused right now. Scoring four goals, four different scores in that period, one on the power play, two empty net goals to finish off the contest. It is Volstead getting the start again. He saved 25 of 29 shots. Not a terrible performance by him, and I don't want anybody to have a bad impression. I was watching most of this game, and he played fairly well. It didn't get a lot of help in that third period for sure. Um, but Rockford is able to even the weekend series, Kevin, to keep themselves one point behind Iowa. I think what we saw in that third period was a case of Iowa getting pretty tired, and you're right. I mean, not a not a one thing went their way in the in the third at all. As you know, you look at the schedule; it was there. Okay, they had a couple of days off Wednesday, Thursday, but it was three game, the third game in five days, and I think we may have seen fatigue kick in with this club. So, like you said, the third period just got away from them. But generally, especially you know, you're talking about with Kacken, and he played very well again. Kacken, and I'm sorry, Volstead. See, now you're catching Rob syndrome. Uh, and you, and that's also including there, Kevin, that, that Letary had been called up at that point. So you're missing another one of your guys, um, and you're you're trying to you know coax together a pretty solid lineup. And and you know give credit to the team; they fell behind two nothing there in the second period and responded um, to get right back into that contest and give themselves a chance to win. And like I said, like you were mentioning, I think they just wore down the third a little bit, and um, unfortunately, Boston's the guy who has to pay for that. So. Um, Right now, Kevin, what that leads us here is that, that Iowa is in third place in the Central Division, 11-12-2. They are currently right now one point ahead of Rockford for fourth place uh, is where Rockford's at at 10-11-3. Milwaukee, three points ahead of Iowa right now. The Wild have um, two games in Manitoba, or excuse me, welcome Manitoba for two games this week on Friday and Saturday before the Christmas break. And they also go to Milwaukee on Wednesday, so a three-game week for the club. Division opponents also kind of heading into the break, and, and uh, kind of getting your thoughts here, Kevin. Um, does this team, having Manitoba come home, you're coming to, to Des Moines, you're playing at home um, right before Christmas, uh, you know, your thoughts on how, what, what kind of energy you expect out of the team and this kind of division rival just before the break? Well, it's, you know, it's going to be a tough goal. You're going to have three games in four days to go into the holiday break, but the good thing about that is that you're 
going to have home cooking for the last two of them. So I think it's big to go to Milwaukee and give the Admirals a better game than you've given them in the past this year. I think they're all one and one and one in Milwaukee. And then you got Manitoba below them in the standings. Well, this is a good opportunity if you can get two regulation wins to put the moose behind you a little bit. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Manitoba responds, Kevin. They, they played in Chicago tonight and were just flat out blown out 6-3 to three in that game. Um, now they're going to have a couple of days off before playing in Des Moines this Friday. But, um, I mean, that's this, this team either comes really angry or, or a little shell-shocked from what they put up here tonight. So uh be interesting to see how Manitoba responds. Hopefully not well. Hopefully they respond terribly, I, I'm going to honestly say. We'll see how that goes. Let's drop down to the ECHL, Kevin. Um, the Iowa Heartlanders welcome the Toledo Walleye this week, and Toledo winds up taking all three of those games, the last one in a shootout. Um, so the Heartlanders wind up going 0-2-1. And as you and I talked about last week, this is uh, not a division where you can have a bad week and, and things, and that's okay, um, because right now they go from second place, dropped into a tie for fourth, uh, technically fifth place, because Cincinnati has a little better winning percentage right now, Kevin. But then, you know, how quickly the week turned when you struggle a little bit. Yeah, um, we thought it was going to be a tough go of it, too, with uh, Toledo Walleye coming into town. I mean, the Walleye's just been the class of the Central Division this year with a 16-4-1 record. So we knew coming in it was going to be tough, and Iowa was going to have to play really well to come out with the points. And unfortunately, they were only able to nab the one point on Sunday afternoon. Well, Toledo shows you how dangerous they can be in the first game of that series. As they trail one nothing after the first period, but score four goals in the span of 14 minutes, a little less than 14 minutes, to take a 4-1 to lead. Iowa refuses to go away, coming back with two goals, including the, the second of the contest by Davis Coach, who winds up uh, getting his 15th of the season. This guy has just been an absolute stud for this club. They're just not able to get the equalizer in this game. Peyton Jones stops 27 shots um, in the contest, but a tough loss, but a gutsy performance again. You know, I, I, I've, one thing I've always liked, especially since this coaching staff has taken over here for the Heartlanders is even when this team is losing early since about game 15 last year, I felt like there's just no quit in them. They always battle hard and find themselves back in the action, even when they've had a tough stretch. And against the Toledo team that you talked about is really, really good this season. You know, you fall behind four to one, you think that it's over, but that there's no mentality like that here for these Heartlanders. That's a, yeah, I mean that's the difference from last year. They've last year they got down four to one here, thinking, okay, how ugly is this going to get? But you know, the Heartlanders did bear down and they did make a game of it. So I know. Moral victories don't get you any points in the standings, but, you know, you had to feel good about the effort in the second half of the game. On Saturday, uh, very interesting contest. So Toledo 
with 16 shots to five for Iowa in that first period, they come away with nothing. And no, no scoring out of that. Then kind of a, a wide open second period where Toledo and Iowa exchange goals until the uh, walleye hold a three to two lead. It's back and forth in that contest. Then, as we talked about for game one of this series, Toledo with four goals to start out the third period in the span of about 12 minutes, two of those on the power play. Iowa is able to get one more goal to make it a 7-3 to three contest. But, you know, Toledo can light you up really quickly, and they show that there with four goals in that short stretch. Peyton Jones with another tough night as he stops 36-43 of 43 shots to take the loss. And uh, just uh, just a tough night there for the, the Heartlanders on every level there, it looked like, Kevin. Yes, it just got away from them in the third period. And, you know, unlike the night before where they gave up three in a row in the second and they were able to bounce back a bit, there's just wasn't any coming back from it once it became 7-2. to two. On Sunday, the team falls behind 2 nothing. then gives Toledo a little dose of their own medicine. They get three goals over the final 13 minutes to take the lead and then add a, a Pavel Novak goal, 5-22 into the third, to take a 4-2 lead. Unfortunately, Toledo was able to battle back with two goals in the final 11 minutes of the contest to force overtime. And Chase Gresak comes up with the game winners with 56 seconds left in the game to give Toledo the victory. So Iowa comes away with one point out of that series, um, kind of hoping that they would have at least got one on Friday night. But uh, come away with just a one and uh, a tough weekend. But, again, I, I, I don't think that they showed that they were intimidated in any way by Toledo. And, you know, if you're, go- if you're advancing this division, you're going to be facing the walleye again later on. So I, I, I think that they at least proved themselves, hey, look, we can compete with this team. And I think I was a team that's just they're only going to get better as the season goes along. And you look at the weekend – and Saturday night got away from them a little bit. But other than that, it was um, three pretty competitive games. 10-10-5, Kevin, uh, in fifth place in the uh, Central Division. They are currently tied with Cincinnati, who is at 12-10-1, holding a 543 winning percentage, while Iowa is at even at 500. 25 points right now has you just two points behind Fort Wayne for second place in this division. So... It's going to be a kind of a back-and-forth battle as long as they just keep continuously winning, you know, two out of three or getting three points in a, in a three-game series every weekend. You're, you're going to stay competitive in this division. There, there's just no doubt about it. They're going to welcome Fort Wayne, Kevin, for a three-game set before the Christmas break starting on Thursday. Um, the comments as we look at this action right now, holding the second-place spot in this division at 12, 8, and 3. They have played two fewer games than Iowa right now, and that's a big advantage for them at this moment. But you get a chance to to gain on the team that's right up there in front of just a couple of points ahead of you right now. So this looks like a big series for Iowa this weekend. If you come out with two wins out of the three and don't go to overtime any of them, you're going to be tied with Fort Wayne afterwards. So it is going to be a huge weekend for the Heartlanders as they go into the holiday break. I, I don't have a, 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 a great insight into this, but Hunter Jones did go on Sunday for the Iowa Heartlanders. Uh, Drew DeRitter came in as the backup for that game, 
So Peyton Jones not on the roster for that night. Don't know if that was just a game-time decision to give him a, a little bit of a rest or if this was some kind of thing he was battling after giving up seven goals the previous night. But um, it'll be something for us to watch this week as they're taking on the Comets. Kind of interesting that, you know, all three goaltenders are getting playing time. It's usually just two getting games, and then one's just kind of there. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams probably have flu bugs going around this time of year, too, so and could have been someone had an illness. Absolutely. That's a very good point, Kevin. Well, that takes us through the system. Um, Christmas break coming up there, and all three of these teams having great uh, contests going ahead this week. It'll be exciting to see how the Boston Bruins respond to, after losing tonight here against the uh, Minnesota Wild and see how Minnesota is able to come with two games at home this week. Clearly the contest for the Heartlanders against Fort Wayne are going to be exciting um, to see if they were able to gain some ground in that division. And great division contest for the Iowa Wild this week. So we're going to see some ex- incredible, exciting action, Kevin, and uh, that hockey's always fun, especially this time of the year. This is what they always say is that, it, it gets for real coming around just after the new year. So we're going to start to see some action where every point is really going to start to matter even more. Yeah, I think you you see the intensity and ramp up even more once you get past the holiday break. So always makes for some pretty good hockey. Before we get to Kevin's uh, Christmas thoughts around here uh, for, for Minnesota Wild history, um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Do, do you see – Peyton Jones just being, he's going to be the guy. I mean, it looks like kind of Jones has settled in and, and for the Heartlanders and Ballstead there for the Iowa Wild. Is that going to be the the way that both these clubs run over the next three and a half months? I yeah, I don't know what the, the plan is going to be for, you know, the Joneses in Coralville because you got to imagine the parent club is wanting to get Hunter Jones as many games in as possible, but you hate to see a hot hand like Peyton Jones have to take a seat for that. And, you know, maybe Peyton Jones could play himself into the team's plans too. So it'll be interesting to see how that goaltending rotation goes. Should be some exciting action, though, no matter what. And good call. I mean, uh, again, we've we've beaten the Hunter Jones story nearly to death, so we'll ignore that for the rest of the night. So, all right, Kevin. So, uh, do we have an exciting Christmas-related story for the Minnesota Wild in history there? Well, not really anything too exciting, but... Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to have to say one thing here. I was a little disappointed when I went to the game on Thursday. I had not been there since, I like, around December 1st. I did not see any Christmas decorations inside the arena. You know, they used to put, like, a tree up in one corner of the arena up by up above the, you know, where they have the lighthouse or, you know, they have the four pillars there. And they did not have a Christmas tree or anything holiday-like. I really hope they're not doing that because of all the wokeness going around that, uh, if you're going to celebrate Christmas, we're going to celebrate all the... You know, I hope that's not the case. I hope they just didn't get around to it. But it's a little disappointed in that. But, you know, the Christmas time, for us fans, it used to be 
well, I can remember this. Every time around Christmas, the Wild would come out with like a first half highlight video. And it would be tied into like a Christmas music. And they don't do that anymore. And I wish they did because that was always something you always went to the game just thinking, oh, I bet they do the Christmas video tonight. And you'd go home on their website. They'd have it up on their website. But I don't think they do that anymore either. So it's, you know, it doesn't seem as Christmassy going to wild games around the holidays as much as it used to be. Sad. And let's uh, get in the spirit here, Minnesota Wild. We want to see that again. No doubt. I mean, look at your look at your uniform colors, green and red. Come on, it's a natural tie-in. <laughs> exactly right. Kevin, thanks for joining me this week. My pleasure.